With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back. This is Jamie D and Big Newt. I'm Jamie D'Amico. He's Big Chris Newton. What do you have to say, Newt, Newt, Newtavius, Newtavius? Okay, I got something to tell y'all. If you all have been avid listeners to the Jamie D. Big Newt Show, I got something to tell the world. Bring it, big man. Put the scarlet letter on me. I had COVID. Oh, no! <laughs> the horror, no! the shame, the shame. I got to tell you all all about it. I couldn't wait to get on here and talk about it because we literally was just talking about that when you had it. And I was like, yeah. remember the last episode we were talking about when you had it, do you feel like a shame? So I want to tell the world how I felt. Just to make sure we're on the same page, we're talking COVID, not not herpes. Yeah, we're not talking. Yeah, we're not talking STDs or anything like that. So, as I told you all two oh, weeks ago, we went, no. we went to Penn State. My daughter had a tournament up there, a Nike tournament at Penn State, right? And so, apparently, and and I know you all don't want to hear this. I've been safe. I've done nothing socially besides go watch the game with you with the Bills backers. I don't go out to eat. I don't do anything, right? So apparently, when we came back from Penn State. And that was a month ago. Uh, That was two, no, it was two weeks ago. Two weekends ago. So it was about 16 days ago when we got back. We got back that Sunday, and you and I recorded on that Wednesday. And I talked about us going to Penn State. And so. Yes. Five days later, that Thursday. Simone and I, Simone and I had cold symptoms. Okay. So that Thursday, both both her, Simone and I, we weren't feeling well. I was wearing my sweatshirt, my hoodie. I had chills, uh, runny nose, and a minor cough. Just cold symptoms. And she did too. And so then Friday, mm-hmm. we both were okay. All right. So this is the timeline. So listen to me. So we both were okay. Saturday, we both were okay. So she has basketball practice. I took her down to Virginia Beach. But on that Friday, even though she was okay, I took her to get a COVID test. It wasn't the rapid test. It was the one they send away and they tell you the next, what, 24 hours, 48 hours, whatever. So we both feel okay. We go to Virginia Beach. Okay. The next day or that night, we got that Simone was positive. Oh, no. Okay. So then she immediately goes into isolation. I call her coach. I told her, hey, you know, Simone was positive. We didn't know. All right, no problem. Whatever. We isolate. So then that Monday, 
J- my wife, then Jalen, and I go get tested. Once again, it's not a rapid test. It's a regular test. All right. Tuesday. So we're isolating, right? So then Tuesday, I take Simone to get a rapid test to, to verify her positivity. Then the lady at the place at CVS was like, well, you want to get a test too? I'm like, sure. Even though we took one yesterday, we wait for the results. Why not get a rapid test? Both and I, both her and I come back positive. That night, which was Wednesday night, it was about five in the morning. We get an email from CDC. I'm positive from the test on Monday. Lynn, my wife, and Jalen are negative. Jesus. Okay. So we, yeah. So we're just quarantined. Well, it really ain't any difference because Simone stays in her room 96% of the time anyway. <laughs> she actually asked my parents for a refrigerator for her room for Christmas. Oh, she's going to keep she her beer bottles in her room. She would only come out the room to use the bathroom. <laughs> Such a teenager. <laughs> her Gatorade and her water. She'd never come out. It's the food. Right. You know, preteen, you know, so... Um, she never comes out of room anyway, and I'm just in the boom boom room trying to stay. They bringing me food. My wife don't let me in the bedroom. I slept in the boom boom room. Whatever. We're all separated. All right. But going back to Saturday, this is the this is the caveat. This is a long story, but this is the caveat of it. So once we found out that Simone was positive, I was like, all right, what are we gonna do? And so then my wife was like, what the hell you mean? What are we going to do? I said, all right, how are we going to play this? And then she got upset. Like she hung up the phone with me and everything. She got mad at me. And then she was just like, what the hell you mean? You all got a quarantine. That's that. And I was just like, no, how are we going to play this as far as telling people? Because now Uh-oh. I'm thinking about the COVID shame, you know, mm-hmm. that's the kicker. So I'm like, are we going to tell people? Are we going to, you know, I didn't have a problem with isolate because I don't want to spread it to people, but are we going to tell people we're out of town? What are we going to do? We got to figure out our story. Yep. You know what I'm saying? And so sure enough, and not to tell more business, it's like she didn't want to have that conversation then because she was thinking I was just talking about Fern Simone basketball. She missed her tournament in Philadelphia this weekend, which is fine. We were isolated. But come Monday, she was like, you think I should tell her, tell my boss? Should I tell my boss? I don't know how. And I was like, oh, you want to have that conversation now, huh? Oh. See, once again, that's kind of COVID convenient. Comes full circle. You know what I'm saying? People have <laughs> It comes full circle, exactly. So she was ready to have that conversation. This is the conversation I wanted to have yesterday. Okay, how are we going to play this? Who are we going to tell? You know, crisis management. And I told her, I was like, darling, if we ever commit a murder or something, if I call you and tell you, hey, we need to talk about this. You just committed a murder. Let's get the passports. We got to get the hell out of here. I don't know. You know, I would never kill nobody. You know that, obviously. I'm a big teddy bear. Yeah, you but might hug saying, somebody you to death. You got to have those conversations. You, you have to will, align. I might hug you to death. Yep. <laughs> So, so how are you feeling? Needless to say, thank God, Big Dude ain't on the respirator. I feel great. Really? <laughs> it was just, it was just cold symptoms. That's it. I have a minor cough. I cough, but I don't think I'm. I had mucus, so we got mucus, uh, mucus next. And for my mucus, that's it. She's 
we've been out, you know, um, playing basketball, like just her and I with nobody at the park or whatever, just shooting around. Yeah. She's running around. There's no respiratory issues, anything like that. That's why I didn't even think that I would be positive because for whatever, like I said, last year, last summer, I lost one of my high school teammates to COVID. I've had friends that had it. You've had it where you feel like you was about to die. You feel terrible. You still have, you know, uh, COVID residue. Yeah and things reminiscent of it, I, I feel like regular day. Wow. That's why I'm like, I can't be positive. But I thank God, knock on wood. I, start, I started having symptoms a month ago, and I'm still feeling it. Still feeling it. And I'm, you know, I, I still have an extreme amount of fatigue, and I'm uh, having body aches. Yeah, it's, I, I'm pretty messed up by it still. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't get, and I I heard your story and other stories. That's why I didn't feel like that that uh, it was anything wrong. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. so, needless to say, we just coming out of quarantine uh, yesterday, and I didn't tell my mom until Sunday. Because I wanted uh, to make sure that I was out of the blue. Because I knew my mom would like totally flip out. Because this is like the scariest thing in the world to, you know, you know how your parents are. They worry sure. about you. Plus, my parents are retired. So, they have nothing to do but watch the news. Yeah. You know yep. what I'm saying? <laughs> yep. They watch that. So, everything is scary to your parents. So, um, <laughs> I didn't tell her until I was out the woods. And she was like, how are you feeling? Because I know you're a big guy. You got high blood pressure. And I was like, mom, I'm, I promise you I'm fine. Like, I'm great. So, I mean, I, I I just knock on wood. I just thank God that I wasn't on a respirator gasping for air somewhere. Your 400-pound ass with high blood pressure feels like you've got a minor cold, and my skinny little butt over here just gets beat up by it. There, there's just no rhyme or reason to this thing. It, it's crazy, man. I thank God for it. I mean, but in my mind, the whole year, I'm thinking I was going to be the one on the hospital bed. You know what I'm saying? But like I said, man, I mean, I feel great, dude. Well, good. I'm I'm glad it's not kicking you around. So I'm going to shift gears on you. And I, I'm glad you shared that. People need to know that this is going to happen. And also, I feel bad. It's not like you were being irresponsible and running around just trying to have a good time. You were traveling for your daughter, you know? And like I said, they said that, you know, sports, youth sports is not a super spreader. And that's why we participated. Obviously, uh, the first couple of months before Virginia started opening up in January 2nd or 3rd, um, those three months, I mean, we were on lockdown. We didn't do anything but literally go to the store. And so I feel like we were very cautious compared, especially mm -hmm. to some people I know. And so for us to get it, I mean, we stayed in the hotel. Um I did have my Tito's in the lounge, and it was probably too many people in there, but I had my mask on the whole time, and I was sipping through the straw through the mask. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, five days later, we had cold symptoms, and we tested positive. So, Well, I mean, it's really, it's really hard to fault you for traveling for your daughter who's playing basketball and playing on such a high level that – she gets to travel around with her AAU squad. I mean, that's the kind of thing that if you didn't allow, it would it it would stunt your daughter. It would be really unfortunate for her. And she needs to do this stuff. I mean, she's gearing up for a scholarship if she keeps up, you know, the way she's improving. Mm -hmm. 
And that's what we're hoping in this part of the process. So, you know, well, like I said, that's the only thing we be moving around about when we do, you know, yeah. our kids' so, games. So I received a, a gift. This was a birthday gift that got to me kind of late because I was slow getting the mail, got sent to the wrong address. The mail is slow by itself. But I received a a trivia game called Who's the Man? Football Edition. My good friend Simone, who moved up to Ithaca, New York from Washington, D.C. She's from Denver. Her husband is from London. And he decided when he moved here that he needed to pick a team. And I was advocating for the Bills and they moved up over the summer. And it was the perfect time because he said, "Okay, if I'm moving there, I'm going to become a Bills fan. Well, thanks to them, I now have this trivia game like I said, called Who's the Man? And it gives you hints, five hints as to who they're talking about. And if you get if you get the answer right after one question, you get five points. There's five hints and it descends down to one point. So I am going to give you a hint about who we're talking about until you get this. So you're on the hot seat, buddy. Oh, this is, I'm going to, I'm, okay, I'm terrible at this, so everybody's going to get to laugh at Newt. Okay. I don't think so. I think you're, I think you're <laughs> going to be okay. So, hint number one for five points. He rushed for 1,412 yards and scored 19 touchdowns as a senior at Austin High School in Texas. That's a tough one. Okay. I have no idea. Next hint. Okay. Four points. Selected by the Indianapolis Colts with the 31st pick in the 2010 NFL Draft. Ooh, I would say no. Marshall Falk is from Louisiana. 2010. And by the way, by the way, I need to make this clear. This is the Buffalo Bills edition. Oh, so oh the Bills answers. player. Oh. Yeah. Oh, snap. Okay. <laughs> I didn't hear that part. I'm sorry. Okay. It's a, it's, I didn't make it clear. the Bills players. Okay. Yeah. So, selected by the Colts in the first round of the 2010 draft. A Bills running back selected by the Colts. Nope. Give me another one. Well, well, he was a running back in high school. Not necessarily now. Okay. So, here's the next hint. Led the nation with 15 sacks and was named Mountain West Conference Defensive Player of the Year as a junior at TCU. Ah, rah, Hughes. Yep. <laughs> Boom. Now, I, I did not make that clear enough, obviously. I said Buffalo Bills edition. That was not enough. So so let, let's, let's try another All one right. now that you know that. Jerry Hughes. So for five points. All right. Yep. Jerry Hughes. For five points, played basketball, baseball, and football for Cedar Crest High School in Lebanon, Pennsylvania. There's no way I would get that. Okay. Earned a Super Bowl ring with the 2017 Philadelphia Eagles, but not as a player. Okay. Played with the Bills, Panthers, Jets, and Lions during his 14-year NFL career. Jason Peters. Very good guess, but no. Um, let's see. Ronald Burns. Oh, spent- no. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. Do I get another guess or? Well, let, right. let me give you another okay. hint. Spent, spent three years as a backup 
to Maryland Terrapins starting quarterback Boomer Esiason. I have no idea. And by the way, I didn't have a clue until I got to that one, and then I started to know, but you'll know with this one. After falling behind 35-3, led the Bills to the largest comeback in NFL history, <laughs> beating the Houston Oilers. Yeah. Dang, gummy. Okay, now this is this one no that I struggled with. <laughs> We're going to do one Fire. more. Okay, for five points. First career NFL touchdown pass was caught by Bills tight end Robert Royal in a 2007 win over the Bengals. Now, I'm going to throw this in. He is not a quarterback. Okay. Started three games for the Bills in 2010 before being traded to Seattle. Marshawn Lynch. That's it. <laughs> Boom. And I started to say Marshawn, when you said it wasn't, when you said it wasn't a quarterback, I started to say his name, but I didn't want to sound stupid. But at least I got the second one. Okay. You that was very good. I it, I didn't get any of them on the first when they mentioned TCU regarding uh Jerry Hughes. That's what gave it away for me. Mm-hmm. I had to get all the way down to the final hint with Frank Reich. I'm like, wait, did Reich go to Maryland? Right. Um, hard game, but it's kind of fun, right? It is. So what we're going to talk about today is there are positions on the Buffalo Bills that will probably need to be looked at in the offseason. The Bills didn't win the Super Bowl, so there's room for improvement in, in certain places. And inevitably, the Bills are going to lose players via free agency, retirement, injury, what, whatever. There's always roster turnover. But going into this offseason, we're embarking upon free agency and the draft coming up. So what are the positions of need going into the offseason? Well, let's start with the most important on the field. That is the quarterback. We know we have a starting quarterback. Don't need to improve upon that. But how do you feel about the backup position? That's bull crap. I want another quarterback, man. We could do better than Josh Allen. Ain't Aaron, Aaron Rodgers is out there. Ain't, no, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just joking. No, I thought a quarterback is as solidified as it could possibly be. Um, a lot of talk lately was about Matt Barkley. Can we upgrade Matt Barkley? And uh, you tweeted about it this week, and I love the idea. If we could find some money and bring Fitz Magic back to Buffalo to uh, finish his career, that would be wonderful. Um, if we could get Tyrod Taylor on a uh, on a decent salary, bring that guy back to Buffalo, be a uh, backup, I would love it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Matt Barkley is okay. Hopefully he will never have to play extended amount of time. Um, but right. I think we could – I think we could do better at the backup position. It was important to have somebody like Barkley uh, to be a mentor to Josh Allen, which I totally understand for the locker room. He's a good guy. If you follow him on Instagram, he's always positive and very professional uh, football guy. But as far as talent is concerned, we could probably do better there. I think so. I I feel like you want to be able to count on your backup quarterback to win 50% of the games that they're thrust into. And I don't have that confidence in Barkley. I I do not see him winning two out of four games. So I think backup quarterback is a need. Now, 
whether or not they address it is a different story. Because I would think that they're with the salary cap being lower this year, they're probably not going to want to spend money in non-impact positions. And if you have a healthy starter, it's a non-impact position, but then it becomes the most important backup position on the team if your starter gets hurt. So what do you do with that? I don't know. I, I think it's a need. So let's now talk about the position of the player that stands either next to or behind the quarterback. That would be the running back position. And there's been talk this offseason about how the Bills might end up drafting a player. I don't see that that is the route that they have to go. Now, they're losing uh, TJ Yellen to free agency. Um, he could resign, of course, but he's a free agent, has the option of leaving, as is special teams ace Taiwan Jones. They have uh, uh, Ant- Williams, Anthony Williams. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a as a backup that was on the practice squad most of the season. Personally, I don't think they need anything other than a third stringer. I, I don't see this as being a major need for the Bills. I think the issues that we've talked about with the running backs are really an issue that is coming from other positions on the team. What are your thoughts? Well, like you said, I mean, Antonio Williams, man, I I, I would like to see more playing time for him. Um, it was like that with Christian Wade in the preseason when he broke those long runs. We always want to see the guys that play well whenever we've seen them, whether it's late in a blowout game or in a preseason game. I told you before, I like our running back room. Um, I think if we went first round, with an impact running back, I, I understand. I just think we have more needs than that. But if we did do that, I mean, I would understand if we went first round with uh, one of the more impact players in the draft, you know, like uh, ATN or uh, the kid from Bama. So I would get it. I just think we got more holes to fill than to worry about a luxury like running back. I wouldn't have a problem with going in um, – with our running back room with Singletary and uh, Zach Moss. And then for you, especially if you bring back TJ Yeldon, I mean, because you saw him in the playoff games, he performed well given the opportunity. So I like our room. I would be pissed if they drafted a, a running back in the first round. After, after spending two consecutive third round picks on the running back position, and you have guys that they averaged over four yards a carry, but also, they were second and 12th in the league in yards after first contact, which tells me that they are getting hit at or behind the line of scrimmage way too often. And I don't think that is a reflection on the running backs at all. Um, maybe they're not hitting the right holes at times, and I'm, I'm sure that's the case. Uh, but they both have good vision. Um, Singletary is he's a good receiver. He's a good blocker. He's, he's got some shiftiness to him. Zach Moss looks like he has the physical ability to be in every down back. And I, I think you need to roll with what they've got. I say running back, not a position of need going into the off season. Now wide receiver, that is a position that could become very interesting as it stands right now. The bills with the players who are under contract are very deep. They have um, John Brown, who has been the subject of 
a lot of talk this offseason. People are saying that his his cap hit is too high. He had a bad season this past year, mostly due to injury. But releasing him would create about $8 million in cap space. And that may well happen if he doesn't accept a major pay cut. If he's let go, then it becomes a need to me. Uh, Gabriel Davis is a is a yet a good rookie season, but I'm not quite ready to roll with him yet as a starter. I'd like him to to develop a little bit more. Now, if if the Bills let him go, uh, Andre Roberts is a free agent, and so is your boy, the gadget guy. There, what's his name? Isaiah McKenzie. Isaiah McKenzie, also a free agent. He's a free agent. If they lose Roberts, McKenzie, and John Brown, this is a position of need. Yes, I agree. I feel like we can let John, even though John Brown's a product of the MIAA conference, where I hail from, I feel like he's making close to $10 million, and he's essentially our third receiver. Um, with Stefan Diggs, Cole Beasley, and Gabriel Davis, I'll take those as our starters. I don't think it'll take much to retain Isaiah McKenzie. We need Andre Roberts for return, so give him what he deserves as an all-pro type player. Um, I'm all for letting John Brown go. Um, and it's been interesting of the talks because I think he's a person that we're going to keep because he's a good locker room guy and leader. So I think it'll be a situation like with Trent Murphy when everybody said we should let Trent Murphy go last year, but we decided to keep him. I think it's going to be the same thing with John Brown. If it was me personally, I'll let him go and use that $10 million. Uh, I mean, that $9 million rather. Uh, but I don't see uh, the brass doing that. They'll probably keep him. But the difference is when John Brown is not injured, he's an excellent receiver. He was the Bills' leading receiver two years ago. He went for over 1,000 yards. He led the team in receptions. He is definitely respected by the defense because of his speed. I, Trent Murphy, Trent Murphy wasn't good. And that's why everybody said they should let him go. He he wasn't productive and he was making a ton of money. I, I see that. I, I don't see that as being apples to apples. I think this kind of apples to oranges because I really wanted to get rid of Trent Murphy and I don't want to get rid of John Brown. No, I, you're stupid. No, I totally agree. I, I'm not trying to say I totally agree with you. John Brown is way better than Trent Murphy, and he would be better for us this year. I'm just saying the fact that your production this year doesn't warrant ten million dollars. That's all, and we mm -hmm. can better use that money because you're asking how can we improve the team. I feel like having John Brown is an expensive luxury. That whether you know, mm. that's all. That's all I'm saying. We and we need money. We're going to be cash strapped. That's all. What if you took a pay cut, like down to five or six million? Then I'm all for it. We're going to have to restructure a couple of guys if they want to stick around. Yeah, I, that, I'm that's for sure. With that. What position do you want to talk about next? All right, well, we go to our favorite position, the tight end position. Ah. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> so we have Lee Smith considering retirement. Yep. Tyler Croft, who is... Um, his contract is up. Tommy Sweeney is still on the COVID list with myocarditis. Okay, just let's just talk about COVID again for a second. Okay. Here's a professional athlete, one of the one of the best 
in the world, when you think about NFL players, here's a guy that got so sick with COVID that his heart is now swollen from it and he's not okay. This is a weird, weird disease. But anyway, so if Lee Smith retires, we have, it looks like one tight end who has started some games, Dawson Knox, and then Reggie Gillum under contract. Um, we've got other players signed to future contracts. They'll be long shots. Uh, I rate this as a need, a big need for the Bills. I agree. If we can find somebody in the free agent market, or maybe in a draft that could be an impact guy for this position, I'm all for it. But as we talked about during the season, with us most of the time going three receiver sets, I mean, I don't know how much it would be utilized. So I don't know how much they really value this position as far as assessing the offense that we run. Um, if we had a more impact guy there, maybe we would more uh, run more tight end sets. So I would see it as a need. I just don't think it's going to be something they're probably going to do because um, are you going to find an impact guy in the first or second rounds, somebody that's better than Dawson Knox? I mean, I don't think you will. So, well, you know, the, the issue with the draft is that seems to be one of those positions that takes a little while for guys to develop in. Now, true. you played tight end. Why does it take that position longer than others? Because it's a very hard position to play. Um, when you look at impact guys, man, like when you look at the guys that's best in the league, you know, my boy out of KC. I mean, he's a guy who could you could line up at receiver, but he blocks like an offensive guard. And so to find a guy that's an impact in both of those skill sets is very rare. Okay. So, I mean, Dawson, I, I totally agree with you. I think we need to give him more time to develop. Um, he's mm -hmm. a good enough athlete. I mean, he just have the droppies sometimes, and you can't have that. If you're going to drop the ball, you can't be on the field. So I, I'm definitely all for him being with us and we utilizing him. If we could get our hands on somebody better and he could be our number two, then that would be even better. Because I don't think we're going to keep – Tyler Croft is not going to be with us. And Lee Smith, no. I mean, if we could talk him out of coming back and playing for little to nothing, I'll be happy to invite him back because he's a good guy and everybody loves him and he's a leader. Um, but Dawson Dice has to – I mean, hopefully he gets better. He's he's frustrating because he's such a good athlete, right. but he's just maddeningly inconsistent. And this past year, they were mostly using him for outlet passes. And I I wonder what this offense would look like if they had a tight end who could really mix it up down the middle, running those those seam routes, which he should be able to do because he's so fast. But he doesn't run the best routes. He's an inconsistent blocker that leans way too much into his block and gets pulled. Uh, by whoever he's trying to block. He gets pulled off his path. Um, but the thing I do want to say that I like about Dawson Knox, the guy has really good hair. If he were to recommend hair care products to you, would you use them? Well, if I had some hair, yeah. Well, I mean, you could if you wanted to. I do. I'm bald because it's optional, but yes, I would, definitely. <laughs> my son has, you know, hair. my son has the good hair. Being bald because it's optional is like being poor because it's optional. There's so many people that want what you've got, yet you don't. 
you you don't use it to its max. If if I had your hair, I would walk around with the tight fro, and I I'd probably pull a quest love and have a pick sticking out of it because I think that's the coolest look. Oh man, maybe I will. Usually, I grow my hair out once a year, so maybe I will do that just for you and the listeners, man. That would be great, man. I I would appreciate that. Um, it's just so I digress. Easy. It's just so easy to wake up and shave your head. It's just, and then you go to the barbershop, and, and haircuts are just so expensive. It's just like, ah, jeez Louise. Well, how often do you need to get a cut? Well, when when you're wearing it that way. Well, usually I haven't had a fro in about four or five years, but usually I grow it out like right before I go to St. Louis and see my family. I usually grow it out and then get it faded and tapered. And so when I get it faded, then you got to get your hair cut like once every two weeks because after two weeks, it's going to look a mess, you know? Mm. So, but then it's also itchy too. So as it grows, it itches. I mean, kind of like when you, well, you got a beard, like a beard. You, know, you know, it's like a beard. Yeah. When you stay shaving, the hair grows in, it gets itchy. I got a haircut two weekends ago and the woman who cuts my hair, uh, I I get it done at her house. Um, she's like, I haven't seen you in a while. How long has it been? I'm like, oh, I don't know, a couple months. And she looks at her calendar. I hadn't been there since Halloween. Oh, wow. Like, talk about a mess. I was shaggy. <laughs> How does your wife feel about that? Uh, she didn't mind it this time because this particular haircut grew out pretty well. But over the summer, when I was trying to uh, look like the singer from Matchbox 20, Rob Thomas, <laughs> she really hated that. But I I emulated his hair from 1996 almost perfectly. And I, I was thrilled with it. She hated it. Freaking hated it. She was ready to cut me off and everything. Mm. So how do you feel Couldn't about that? that? Do you do what you want to do? Or do you do what, you know, she likes? I I did what I wanted to do for a few months. And then it was sort of like, okay, you know, I, I feel good about it. I'm going to... You know, I, I, I've had my fill basically is what it came down to. Mm. So then I, you know, went back to what I knew she liked. Nah, I got you. But I, I guess if it were up to me, I would still have that hair. Um, but everybody knows that if mom ain't happy, nobody's happy. Exactly. No, I'm just kidding. She's, <laughs> she's not, she's, she's not that kind of person, mm. but I, I don't want to find out. I got you. Anyway, let's talk about the offensive line. We've got tackles, we've got guards, we've got a center. Are there needs here? Yes. Tell me about it. Mitch Morris, man. <sighs> Mitch Morris. You down on his game. He he makes he makes yeah, yeah. We could use that money. I mean, don't get me wrong, he's performing okay. But if we drafted a center in the first round that could come in and start and let him go and save that, well, how much he makes? Like ten, eleven million dollars, yeah. like that. And so, if we could draft the guy in the first round, it could be a plug and play guy, or we could resign my man uh, John Feliciano and put him at center. That works also. Um, I think we could move stuff around. I think our line needs to get better. I want to resign uh, Daryl Williams. Um, the Brian Winters experiment has been a failure. Oh, uh, uh, Buttinger, he's okay. I would like to see us bring in a new lineman. We uh, 
Cody Ford is probably on his last leg with the team. Yeah, I was going to say Cody Ford, if he could come in and play guard and give us something. If not, that was a failed draft pick. Um, I just, yeah, I feel like Morris, Mitch Morris, we could do better with that money for what he's given us. It's kind of like the John Brown thing. I think that there is a need on the offensive line, but it has more to do with scheme than it does personnel. Well, no, it's a combination of both. Let let me rephrase that. Okay. They have players like Mitch Morris that excel in gap blocking, but they did mostly zone blocking this past season. So Mitch Morris was a fish out of water. That's just not what he does well. And asking him to do that isn't fair. Um, you know, he's not somebody who's going to move a 330 pound nose tackle. What he does is he pulls and lead blocks for the running backs. That's what he does. Well, asking them to do anything other than that, you're setting them up for failure. Um, Ike Butker, he performed decently, but average. And according to pro football focus, John Feliciano actually ranked lower than Ike Butker did. I'd love to have Feliciano back. He has like this heart and soul of the team feel to him, but he's not great. Daryl Williams had a very good season, pass blocking, but not run blocking. Right. I, I think he's going to go to greener pastures. I, I I think they need to figure out how to unlock Cody Ford. They're going to need at least one offensive lineman. And frankly, I don't think they can let Mitch Morris go because they would need to bring too many players in and they just don't have the cap space to do that. I think that they're looking at drafting a tackle high, perhaps. Um, Maybe they're going to bring in a barrage of low-cost free agents like they do every year. I mean, you saw them bring in Winter, Spencer Long, Feliciano was a low-price guy, Ty Insecki, they sort of paid like a, a fringe starter. He's a free agent after the season. They need a swing tackle. They need a right tackle. They need a left guard if if Cody Ford can't hack it. If Feliciano leaves, which I don't think he will, they'll need a right guard too. Jesus, they got a lot of work to do on the line, and the line didn't open up holes, and that was the issue with the running game this year, and I'm mad at them now, and <laughs> I need to calm down. I totally agree. And so if, if uh, Brandon Bean said we can't afford to let Mitch Morris go, I would totally understand. Um, but once again, maybe we can fill those needs. That goes back to what we said about running back. If we could get a start, that's how I always look at the top of the draft, especially first, second, third round. If we get a first, second, third rounder, I'm thinking they need to start. So, yep. but, but I mean, Brandon Bean said we get the best guy available. It ain't based on need. And that's, and that's the argument I have with that. You know what I'm saying? So we drafted a tight end in the first round, a, a, a right tackle second round, and a linebacker. Or you switch those around and you get a linebacker mm-hmm. in the first, tight end in the second, right? That's how I look at the draft. And it, sometimes it works like that, and sometimes it don't. Sometimes it's, we're going to take the best player available regardless of position because we want talent and we'll make it work. And and who am I to question? We made it to the AFC Championship, and our roster it looks better than it did when we when uh, Brandon Bean and Dirt first got here. They said they're going to clean up uh, the salary cap situations, and they're going to bring in talent, and they have. You said, mm-hmm. so I just look at it like if they if they feel like they, we can keep Mitch Morris and we got we can fill the needs like right guard and uh, Feliciano, Derrick Williams, bring them back, then I'm cool with it. I would like to see us 
you know, save that money because we're going to need it. And so my yeah, question is, it, let me say this real quick. I'm sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. Let me ask you real quick. Would you rather keep Mitch Boris or get rid of Mitch Boris and re-sign, um, and I know we're going to get in the linebackers, or re-sign Matt Milano? Oh, geez. See, that's what you got to ask um, yourself. <laughs> you know, that's that's a tough question because I think that there is more value to offensive linemen, especially a center or a tackle, than there is to a weak side linebacker. But at the same time, I think that Matt Milano is one of the best players on the team and probably superior at his position to just about anybody on the offensive exactly. line. Exactly. That's why I was about to disagree with you. I would much rather have Matt Milano than Mitch Moores. Matt Milano, we're a different team with Matt Milano. And I'm not saying without Mitch Moores, but we could get a starting center. Where Matt Milano, the way he covers guys, how well Tremaine Edmonds is when he's on the field. And then once we bring back Stala Tulele, I mean, I feel like he's going to be more of an impact. So I'd rather overpay for him and keep him than to overpay for a center or overpay for a third receiver. That's how I look mm-hmm. at it, though. I mean, it's our philosophy, and I'm sure we all differ in that. That's just how I see it. I would much rather let Mitch Morris go. Honestly, having five concussions at this point, if I'm Mitch Morris, I'm considering retirement. Yeah. I might not come back if I were him. Mm-hmm. So let's flip over to the other side of the ball and let's go to the other line. We've got defensive ends. We've got defensive tackles. Um, let's talk about the DNs first because we've got Jerry Hughes. AJ Epinesa was the second round pick. Mario Addison was a free agent addition. You've got uh, Johnson, who is a, a decent backup. You have... Uh, Trent Murphy, who's a free agent, and there's no chance he's coming back after being a healthy scratch for most of the year. And you have some other lesser guys that have kind of filled out the practice squad, like Brian Cox Jr. What do you think? You know what I think, man. We have to get better at that spot. And that's why I don't – I mean, it was great that J.J. White listed us as one of the three or five teams that he was looking at. That's great. He wound up eventually signing with the Cardinals yesterday – as of the recording, uh, two years, $30-something million. I mean, I think that's a little high for him considering how much time mm-hmm. he mi- misses. But if we would have got him, I would have been ecstatic. You see what I'm saying? Um, just to make that move. But we need to find something better. And if we got to let Mario Addison go, like you said, Trent Murphy's not coming back to this roster Um you know, so hopefully A.J. Epinesa takes a step up. But I would like to see us either draft or go out and get a free agent, an impact guy um, that's going to make this defense better. As far as sacks is concerned, we were middle of the pack. I think we were like number 15 in the league in sack. But as you see by watching the Buffalo Bills play, most of our sacks and pressures come from schemes. We get corners and safeties and right. middle linebackers getting pressure. No, we need pressure off the edge when we just rush four. That's a quality of a good team. Mm-hmm. And so, God bless Leslie Frazier. I'm glad he's coming back. But in case he leaves, we need to get pressure with our personnel, not with the scheme. I couldn't agree more with that. Uh, 
you you have to get to the quarterback with your front four because the other guys, especially if you're going up against a Kansas City, you need guys in coverage. They're so fast. The only way to beat them is with numbers. So you know we we saw what happened to Kansas City in in the Super Bowl with a good pass rush. Granted, Kansas City had injuries on the offensive line, but they are the gold standard. And, and that's who the Bills have to beat. And the only way they're going to do that is by getting after Patrick Mahomes. Now, are they going to do it with the current cast of characters? Jerry Hughes was very good this year. He was in the top five of quarterback pressures and uh, in uh, pass rush rating by Pro Football Focus. And I know Pro Football Focus is flawed, but it still says something positive about Jerry Hughes. Mario Addison was good, but he was not good enough. The Bills would save $6 million in salary cap space if they let him go. That's a lot of money. Can you do better than Mario Addison for $6 million? I think you might be able to. It It's going to be an interesting year, but I'm not convinced that Epinesa is going to ever be more than a depth player. He seemed to come around a little bit over the course of last season as he got more experience, but he seems to lack play strength. He seems to get pushed around in ways that I don't want to see a defensive lineman get pushed around. Um, I don't have high hopes for him, unfortunately. Now, I, I know it's too soon to cast judgment on that, but with those as your second and third players, Addison and Epinesa, I think you got to do better. You've got to do better. One way or another, they got to get after the quarterback. And I'm willing to bet that Brandon Bean is looking really hard, both in the draft and potential free agents to do that. So let's go to the center of the line. Now we're talking about the other positions within the priciest defensive line in the NFL. You have, uh, you have Ed Oliver starting. And then it was a rotational cast of characters because star Latulile missed the season for, because of COVID concerns. You had Quentin Jefferson signed as a free agent. Justin Zimmer, who came out of virtually nowhere to be a good pass rusher. Uh, who are the guys I'm forgetting? You had Vernon Butler. They were weak against the run this year. And Ed Oliver played better than his stats showed. Quentin Jefferson didn't. And Vernon Butler seemed to seemed to play decently, especially for a backup. With Quentin Jefferson making about eight million this upcoming season, I think he's very a very natural fit for the term cap casualty. And you could tell that, you know, you had Harrison Phillips back in the lineup after being injured. He wasn't impressive. Now, I don't know if it's because the injury was still bothering him, or if he just isn't that good of a one technique uh, defensive tackle, but I think they need more beef in the middle. So let's move back a level. Linebackers. Matt Milano is a free agent. It does not look like he's coming back. And I know you don't want to face that. I know that that like makes you really angry. But from all indications, he's testing the free agent market. The guy's going to get like $15 million a season, $16 million, with a ton of guaranteed money because there are some teams out there like the Jets that have $75 million in cap space. Somebody can afford that. So assuming he's gone, 
the Bills were going into this past season with a serious depth problem. Now, A.J. Klein looked like a fish out of water until midway through the season. He sort of figured it out a little bit, but he's still not terribly athletic. You got to say that this is a position they need to address in the offseason, especially from a depth perspective. Levi Wallace is a solid player, but he's not a really good player. He makes some plays out there. He's not he's not terribly physical and he he's not great at the catch point. But he does he does things well. He plays a good zone scheme. He supports in the run decently well. But you know you're talking about last year's seventh round pick Dane Jackson pushing him this year. The Bills have never seemed a hundred percent sold on Levi Wallace but they're happy enough with him. But that's why they always bring in veteran free agents to compete with him, whether it's Kevin Johnson or uh, EJ Gaines, uh, Josh Norman, like you mentioned. I, I foresee them doing that again because they're trying to keep their keep up the competition. And I don't know which direction that's going to go, um, but I think you're going to end up seeing Levi Wallace starting again. But like you said... If they could get a guy who is good both in zone and man-to-man coverage, I think it would open up a lot of opportunities for the Bills' defense to confuse opposing quarterbacks, and I'm for that. I, I'm definitely for drafting a CB earlier in the draft in the first three rounds because I, I think it could make a big difference, but that's assuming that it's somebody who you have slotted much higher than their draft position. Otherwise, I think you probably have to go with more of a position of need. So, safety. They're set at safety, aren't they? You've got Dean Marlowe, who keeps signing one-year contracts. He's a good backup. Jaquan Johnson, they talk about having talent as a uh, as a free safety, but he's become an excellent special teams player. I... I'm happy rolling in with the, with those four guys again. I If it's not broke, don't fix it. So there we have it, our need analysis of the Buffalo Bills. We actually went by position group just to let you know our feelings on each of them. Hey, I'm, I'm looking forward to the next couple of weeks because things are going to start to come together. Now, you as the listener can expect us to give a breakdown of what the Bills need to do specifically in free agency and in the draft upcoming. We're going to be talking about strategy. We're going to be talking about players. We are going to be giving you our opinions and probably getting off topic with regularity because we kind of can't help ourselves on that front. 